You will do what only you can do in this place. Lord, we gather, but without you, it means nothing. Holy Spirit, without your presence, without your abiding manifestation, we have nothing to give. So, Father, I pray today that not just my words would be heard, but your voice would be heard in every heart and every life. Every person would hear you speaking directly to them and to their hearts, revealing your love, your grace, your power, your mercy, and your truth towards them. Lord, I agree with the song that we sang this morning that every chain, every yoke, every bondage will be broken because your word declares that it is the anointing that breaks the yoke. We thank you for that this morning in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. In preparing for this, I just kept going round and round this week. My intent was to preach a whole message on water baptism, so I have like eight pages on water baptism this morning and to, to go through then about the life and the death of Christ. And then more as I did that this morning, it just started showing up. And this was the catalyst for this morning was, is, it, it, and it just, I, I just put this together at five o'clock this morning, but the catalyst for this was, as I was praying, is that, that if you study, as I said earlier, and what it says in, in the book of Acts, is that when Paul preached, he preached Christ to them and revealed him out of the scriptures, out of everything written in the law and the prophets, and uh, declared him to the people that heard. And when they heard, they believed on him based upon who he is revealed. Even though the name of Jesus isn't mentioned in the Old Testament, but he is revealed there time and time and time again. Amen. The promise of a Savior. So this morning, I, I, you, you will have to just listen this morning. There was too much to put into an outline for what the Lord gave me. So my introduction this morning just says, welcome to church. I love going to church. I love the people and the fellowship that I have with other believers. I love all the benefits and blessings of being connected and being a part of the family of God. I love all that flows out from the life that we have in Christ. Compassion for needs in our community. Care for those whom we can assist. Ministry broken down to every level possible. From the nursery to the rest home and everything in between. Yet in between we must never forget that our wor what our worship is about. And the reason we gather is to worship and to preach and proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord in the earth. Worship is purely giving back out of what He has given us. All we have is from Him, and it's to be used to glorify Him in the earth. We are like children giving gifts to our Father with money He gave us. We must fight to hold on to the true identity of our worship. Because it's easy to get caught up in it all and to forget the one for whom and from whom it all flows. Amen. I love church. I love all the ministries you have. I love everything we do. I think it's cool we get to do the concord and do all this stuff. Go look at cool cars, hang out together, worship God together, do all this stuff, be involved, have, have ministries for my age group. My age group is every age. Amen. That's why I hang out with the kids. That's why I was on the floor drooling with my 10-week-old grandson the other day. Every age, I identify with all of it. Amen. And so we love that, but what we want is never to forget the reason we worship. Think about it. The heart of the church is Christ. Life froze from Him to and through the whole body. Just like the blood in our body is made to flow by our heart. 
The heart is essential to life in our physical body and in His, which is the church. Jesus is the heart of the church. And over the years, as I've passed, I've watched that people, we get so caught up in the peripherals, we forget the focus of our worship, which is Jesus Christ. He's the heart of everything we do. And sometimes when you get involved in all this stuff, you get caught up, then, then it's easy to get offended about the stuff, but never let the stuff take the place of the heart. Never let anything be greater than the heart that is pumping life through all that we do. All the, that's why I say I love church, I love everything, but, but, but I love the heart of who we are, which is Jesus Christ more than anything. You could take it all away, you could lock me in a room with two other believers, and if that's all we had was a room in darkness, and all we could do was raise our voice in worship, we would be the church in power, the same as if you had all the other stuff. Could I get amen this morning? So it's not about the stuff, it's about Him and about His heart. Hear me again, because it is easy to get caught up in it all and to forget the one for whom it all flows. So we want to stay connected to the heart. If you were to preach Christ from the law and the prophet, you would find Him declared in every book of the Old Testament. And in almost every page, though at times He can seem hidden from just a casual glance or scoffing doubter, He is there and will be found by those who seek Him. The ink used to record the testimony of Christ is not black or blue or any other color. It is the crimson red of Calvary's blood which was shed before the foundation of this earth. The inkwell of heaven is filled with the blood of the Lamb, and every writer who penned God's Word did so with their quill dipped in the royal blood of our redemption. The Bible is not simply an open book, it is a revealed book. You cannot simply read it as you would any other book in this world, for we do not merely read God's Word, it reads us. And it reveals to us our need for a Savior. Then it declares and reveals Him to us. And we come away saying, oh, what amazing grace. And when we preach the Christ who is revealed in Scripture, though it may seem mere foolishness to men, it is the power of God unto salvation. People you know, they say, why do you go to church week after week? Why are you involved with something like that? The preacher's just going to get up and preach little sermons that he made up. We are not here to preach sermons. We are here to declare Christ to you. And if Christ ever gets declared to your heart, if God's Word ever penetrates past your mind and reaches your heart, it will be an exposed word. It will be a transforming word. It will be a liberating word. And it will literally be life to your soul. So when we preach Christ who is revealed, it is the power of God unto salvation. The apostles in the early church preached the Christ revealed in the law and the prophet. The hidden man. The man who was revealed. If you read it in Daniel, like the fourth man in the fiery furnace. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were there. And the three Hebrew children, they said, we will not bow down in their day. They had peer pressure like ours. Idols are being raised up. And the king and the rulers of their day said, you must worship the way we tell you to worship. And I don't know whether you've noticed it in America today, but there's a great design coming across this country that's telling you what rights you have in your worship. 
And there will be a day whether you're going to decide whether you will bow or whether you will stand, regardless of the persecution, regardless of the challenge. But if you know the Christ that's in the book, then you'll be able to stand. And when you stand, you will know that you never stand alone. And if you have to stand in the midst of a fiery furnace, and if there be you and two brethren, you know that when three go in, you will not be alone because there will be a fourth man in the midst of your fire and your trial just like there was for them. Amen. So as I thought about this, and years ago I heard it, and when we were going to Bible school, and I haven't memorized it yet, but I'm going to make this a part of my prayer life, and if you want to find it, you can just Google it and pick it up. But if you'll Google Oral Roberts and Jesus in every book of the Bible, back in the late 50s when he was doing tent meetings, he preached a message on the fourth man in the fiery furnace, and he went through the books of the Bible and declared who Jesus was. And I had a mentor in my life, Brother Jess Higginbotham. I never met a man who loved God. God's word more than him. Me personally, I'm not saying he was the greatest man in, in, above anybody else you may have known, but in my personal life, he's the one man I know that knew God's word and, and loved God's word higher than anything else in his life. And he would preach and he literally had this memory. He went through a bout in his life fighting cancer and he said, God, I don't want to die. And he went away to a mountain in a cabin that somebody let him stay in. And for 40 days, he fasted and he prayed. And during that time, he memorized the whole book of Psalm. And on the 40th day he began to eat some food. And he had crackers and some, and, and some chicken broth there. And he began to eat. He had open ulcerating uh, sores on his body. And God came and healed his body. And showed up. And, and just loved the Lord. But he would preach. And he would preach on this. And he was an old Pentecostal holiness preacher. And he'd get fired up. And some of you that have been here since from the beginning. Catherine remembers and a couple of remember. He would come. And Brother Jesse would go, Woo! and he'd just get fired up and the next thing you know he'd go and he'd take off because to him God wasn't fellowship. God wasn't program. God wasn't just a building. God wasn't stuff. Jesus was a living Savior. And every time he thought about it, something would go off on the inside of him. Hallelujah. So Oral Roberts said this. Let me tell you who he is in every book of the Bible. Brother Jess would quote this. And run about 12 times. <laughs> Amen. In Genesis, he's the seed of the woman. In Exodus, he's the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he's our high priest. In Numbers, he's the pillar of cloud by day. And the pillar of fire by night. In Deuteronomy, he's a prophet like unto Moses. In Joshua, he's the captain of our salvation. In Judges, he's our judge and lawgiver. In Ruth, he's our kinsman redeemer. And in First and Second Samuel, he's our trusted prophet. In Kings and Chronicles, he's our reigning king. In Ezra, he's our faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, he's the rebuilder. The broken down walls of human life. How many know him as Nehemiah knew him? He's rebuilt my life. In Esther, he is our Mordecai. In Job... He is our day spring from on high and our ever-living Redeemer. In Psalms, He is the Lord our shepherd. 
In Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, He is our wisdom. In the Song of Solomon, He is our lover and the bridegroom. In Isaiah, He is the Prince of Peace. Jeremiah, he's a righteous branch. In Lamentations, he's the weeping prophet. In Ezekiel, he's the wonderful four-faced man. In Daniel, he's the fourth man. In the burning, fiery furnace, who is the fourth man? In Hosea, he's the faithful husband, forever married to the backslider. You're here today, and you're backslidden. Your heart's not where it should be with God. God loves you. He hasn't rejected you. He's forever faithful to you. In Joel, he's a baptizer with the Holy Ghost and fire. In Amos, he is our burden bearer. In Obadiah, he's mighty to save. In Jonah, he's our great foreign missionary. In Micah, he's the messenger of beautiful feet carrying the gospel. In Nahum, he is the avenger of God's elect. In Habakkuk, he's God's evangelist crying, revive your work in the midst of the year. In Zephaniah, he is the savior. In Haggai, he is the restorer of God's lost heritage. In Zechariah, he's the founder fountain opened in the house of David for sin and uncleanness and in Malachi he is the son of righteous rising with healing in his wings hallelujah and when Paul would say let me tell you who he is let me go to the law and let me go to the prophet and they would say this Jesus who was crucified yes you've heard of him Jesus of Nazareth well he isn't new on the scene he was in Genesis and he was all the way through and just because we have had 400 silent years without a prophetic voice it's not because God wasn't declaring him it's because we hardened our hearts and we turned away from Him. And the reason America is where it is today is because we've got so caught up in the culture of our day and everything else that God is calling His people back to go back to the Word and find Him one more time. Go back to the Word and let God's Word read you one more time. Who is the fourth man in Matthew? He's the Messiah. In Mark, he is a wonder worker. In Luke, he is the Son of God. In John, he is the, the Son of Man. In John, he is the Son of God. In Acts, he is the Holy Ghost. In Romans, he is our justifier. In 1 Corinthians, he is the gift of the Spirit. In Galatians, he's the redeemer from the curse of the law. In Ephesians, he is the Christ of unsearchable riches. In Philippians, he is the God who supplies all our needs. In Colossians, he is the Godhead in full bodily manifestation. In First and Second Thessalonians, he is our soon and coming king. In First and Second Timothy, he is our mediator between God and man. In Titus, he is our faithful pastor. In Philemon, he is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. In Hebrews, he is the blood of the everlasting covenant. In James, he is the great physician. And in First and Second Peter, he is the chief shepherd who will soon appear with the crown of unfading glory. In first, second, and third John, he is the everlasting love. In Jude, he is the Lord coming with ten thousands of his saints. In Revelations, he is the King of Kings, and he is the Lord of Lords. Somebody give him praise today. Hallelujah. When you study the Old Testament, you find out that God had names. 
He had names that described his character. He is Adonai, Jehovah, the Sovereign Lord. He is El Elyon, the Lord Most High. He is El Oloam, the Everlasting God. He is El Shaddai, the God who is sufficient for the needs of his people. He is Jehovah Elohim, the Eternal Creator. He is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our Provider. Jehovah Nissi, the Lord our Banner. Jehovah Rophakah, the Lord our Healer. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. He is Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord our righteousness. He is Jehovah Makedadashem, the Lord our sanctifier. He is Jehovah Shabbath, the Lord of hosts. He is Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is present. He is Jehovah Rohi, the Lord our shepherd. He is Jehovah Hosanu, the Lord our maker. And he is Jehovah Eloinu, the Lord our God. Somebody ought to say amen. To the banker, to the banker, he is the hidden treasure. To the jeweler, he is the pearl of great tribe. To the baker, he is the living bread. To the lawyer, he is the advocate with the Father. To the shepherd, he is the Lamb of God. To the doctor, he is the great physician. To the lonely, he is the friend that will stick closer than a brother. To the florist, he is the lily of the valley and the rose of Sharon. To the builder, he is the sure foundation and the chief cornerstone. To the thirsty, he is the fountain of living water. To the lost, he is the way, the truth, and the life. To the philosopher, he is the word of God. To the carpenter, he is the door. To the gardener, he is the true vine. To the astronomer, he is the day star. And to the judge, he is the faithful witness. And most of all, to the sinner, he is the savior of the world. Hallelujah. The only question left to answer today is this. Who will Jesus be to you? Who will this Jesus be to you? There is no complete or all-inclusive list of who Christ is. For He is the fullness of God. And God is infinite beyond ad infinitum. This is merely the fringe of His power that we see, as Job said. A life spent in search of the depth of His riches towards us is the most rewarding life possible. My friend, I want to tell you the truth today. You have been lied to. Everything this world has to offer is, will decay, it will rot, it fades away. The life spent in searching the riches that belong to you in Christ is the greatest treasure one could ever have. And the most rewarding life you could ever live. Because every nugget mind of his treasure is secure within your heart for all of eternity. Take away my book. Take away my pulpit. Take away everything else. You cannot take what I have mined out of my prayer time. Out of my fellowship with him. Out of my communion with God. Because I have it in the reserve bank of my heart. And it is a treasure that is hid there forever. And it will sustain me through every storm. It will carry me through every trial and it will lift me through every circumstance that I face because he is a risen Lord and I have been raised with him hallelujah the fullness of his glory is yet to be revealed to those who receive him and believe one thing is certain though 
He is more than enough of a Savior for your life today. Hear me today, church. If you're carrying something that Jesus died for, then you don't fully know Him. He died to set you free. My Bible says those who the Son has set free are free indeed. Not hoping to be free. Not one day will be free. Maybe someday. But you are free indeed. The woman comes to Jesus. She's caught in the virtual act of adultery. They are ready to stone her. And Jesus literally says as they look for his approval. He says let you who is without sin cast the first stone. And nobody could pick up a rock. Because nobody was innocent. And then when all of the accusers have left. Can I tell you this this morning. There is one. One man, and his name is Jesus Christ, and he is the only one who can silence the voice of your accusers from your path. But once he does, don't turn your ear back to listen again. Keep your eyes all focused on his high. Keep your heart connected with his heart, and let him raise you up because he raised her up and said, Woman, I do not condemn you. Rise up and go free and sin no more. God has freedom for your life. More than enough of a Savior. There are some of you here today who need to hear this. Friday morning I wrote this out as I was doing my devotions. Mighty men. You read your Bible. Great men and women of God are not who you would expect. I just want to tell you, America has made a sick excuse of the gospel. We made Hollywood movie stars out of men of God. Paul would have puked. Mighty men. Not who you would expect. In our society and culture, we define and choose our mighty men according to a different standard than God. He chooses the unexpected and the overlooked. You feel overlooked today? The least, the smallest, the broken, the outcast. And then he transforms them. First Samuel chapter 22 says this, David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him. And every one of them that was in distress, and every one that was in debt, and every one that was discontented, gathered themselves unto him. And he became a captain over them. And there were with him about 400 men. The Message Bible reads like this. So David got away and escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and other associates with his family heard where he was, they came down and joined him. Not only that, but all who were down on their luck came around. Losers and vagrants. Misfits of all sorts. To them, David became their leader. And there are about 400 in all. Can I declare to you that there is one greater than David who is in this house today? And no matter where you are, he will be your leader. If you were picking teams, David's band of mighty men would not have been chosen first or even chosen at all. 
They were broken down, beat up, messed up, twisted, dejected, disappointed by life and circumstances. All of them, for various reasons, had lost in life. They had experienced the pain of unpaid bills and debt, shattered friendship, public scorn, ridicule, rejection, and failure of every sort. Think about how encouraging it must have been to have all those losers, vagrants, misfits, come and join your team. But hear me this morning. What man discards, God regards. Hear it this morning. What man discards, God regards greatly. God glories in brokenness. Because when God touches brokenness, He restores it, and nobody else can get the glory but Him. When I look back on my life, there's no way I could have fashioned my life, restored my life, done anything in my life. Everything about my life is to the praise and the glory of God. This is what God can do when He takes a broken life. He can turn your life around. He will touch others through your life if you will let Him restore your brokenness. Get off of your victim mentality. America psychology has made our nation a nation of victims. You are not a victim. You are a candidate to be highly regarded by God. saw it the other day. I have the picture. We were coming back from our cruise. We're driving through downtown Seattle, take, going from the, the ship to the airport, and we pass by Seattle University of Theology and Psychology. Excuse me, my friend, you cannot mix theos with psychos. <laughs> or you come out with psychotheos. And that's what's happened to our nation. We have become a secular-minded, religious nation. We've lost the power of God. We've shut the Holy Ghost in a backroom closet in our churches. We've taken out the manifestation of power. We've taken out the presence of God. And we've settled for something that we can create. It is idolatry. And we need to get back to the book and restore our lives to God. Somebody ought to say amen. But what man discards, God regards. He chooses the broken, wounded, and rejected of this world to transform them into mighty men and women of valor. They joined themselves to David and connected to the anointing upon his life. They gathered, they followed, and eventually were transformed into mighty men. What God did for them, He will do for you. I need the worship team to come back quickly if you would. We're going to sing that song, Break Every Chain Again. God's getting ready to explode in this house this morning. I may not lay hands on people today because I'm likely to punch something. There ought to be something in there. When people take my Jesus. Come on, you're not just preaching a Jesus. If you preach in the name of Jesus, you're preaching my Jesus. And, and you know what? I see people write, don't talk like that about my kids. What, what about your Lord? 
Okay, you're, you're concerned about your kid. You're concerned about your family, your aunt. You get offended and you get upset and you get great offense if anybody says anything about your natural family. What about your father and your living Savior? When was the last time said, I dare you, do not talk like, that is my Lord and that is my God. And I refuse to let you speak like that about my Savior. Amen. You'd be like Bartimaeus. They say, hey, why don't you be quiet? Quiet? You want quiet? Jesus! And then you go, hey, is that quiet enough for you? Is that quiet enough for you? I can be quieter. Yeah. They joined themselves to David. They connected to the anointing upon his life. That's something else that we've lost. Knowing what it means to connect to the anointing on men and women of God. Not for any reason other than God places anointing upon men and women of God for leadership that helps transform them. God gives gifts unto men and the purpose of giving gifts unto men is so that those that He's anointed to lead could grow up into the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ that you don't have to be blown about by every wind of doctrine and every slight cunning craftiness of men but you're fully grounded and rooted in the faith. The world today is pulling people away. Tell them, hey, you can figure this out for yourself. If you could figure it out for yourself then you wouldn't have needed a savior hallelujah so they gathered they followed and they were transformed so my challenge to you today is to allow the holy spirit to heal and reveal the warrior within you see those who came to david they didn't come and were restored but they became his mighty men of valor and it's amazing to read the story where, where, where one of them stood in a field and, and three acres and killed with his own hand and a sword and his hands cleaved to a sword where he couldn't let go, but he killed hundreds of men by himself in defense of his king. Fighting for mighty men of valor. But I'm telling you today, there is a warrior within you. There is a warrior within you. And the devil knows it and he fears you. The greatest thing that the devil fears is you. When you know that you're not broken, you're not rejected, you're not downcast, you haven't been discarded, but God has highly regarded you and regarded you so much that he nailed his son to a cross to pay every debt, break every yoke, every bondage, so you could be raised to be the man and the woman of God that God created you to be. Hallelujah! Let me ask you this. Have you been down on your luck? Have you been called a loser, a vagrant, or a misfit by life? Then God chooses you. Just pick it. God's picking teams. The devil goes, hey, I'll take the guy with the flash and the style. The Lord goes, I'll take the guy who's on the bed of palsy. The devil goes, I'll, I'll take the, 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 the woman with the great voice and the beautiful looks. The Lord says, I'll take the woman caught in adultery, filled with seven devils. I choose her. Are we doing all right? I like the way God chooses teams. 
The world says, I, I choose. God says, no, I'll choose the, the discarded, the rejected, the vagrants, the losers of life. Give me every one of them because I, I, I know what life has done to them, but I know what I've done for them. And I know what I'll do in them, and they'll never be the same. Amen? I want you to stand with me this morning. Is anybody ready to worship God? I mean, I mean, not with your religion. You already, you already did your religion thing. We already had religion. That's what we did a few moments ago. You went through your motions. You do what you do every week. But in this moment, if that's you, there are too many people called Christians. And when you ask them, have you been down on your luck? Do you feel like a loser? Are you a vagrant wandering from church to church, not having a home? Do you feel like a misfit in your life and your walk with God? Then God chooses you. This isn't just about people who've never known Christ. Come, This is about you right where you're at, every one of you. This message is not for somebody else. The Holy Ghost is speaking to you today. You're the only person in the house. It reminds me of the old joke. I'll tell a joke for an altar call. I don't know if I can do that or not. One of the funniest jokes I ever heard for church. Guy's called to be a pastor at this church. And there was one old cantankerous boy in that church. Turn the lights on under that overhang over there. This is not time to be totally dark. You're hiding in dark. Turn the house lights back on. Thank you. So boys in the church and the pastor would preach. And every week after the service, so boy would meet the pastor down by front at the altar, shake his hand, and say, Pastor, you really got him today. You really got him today. So one Sunday there was a snowstorm, and this man lived within walking distance of the church. People couldn't travel, they couldn't get there. The pastor shows up. There's one guy in church, it's that old guy. The pastor's thinking, Man, I got him today. He sat right there, and the pastor preached a message like this, both barrels, everything firing, went down after service. The old boy looked at him, shook his hand, said, Pastor, if they'd have been here, you'd have got them. <laughs> and that's where some of you are today. Pastor, you're getting them today. This isn't for them. This is for you. This isn't for the person that you know should have been here that you want to get the CD for. If you're getting the CD for somebody else other than yourself, then you need to get it for yourself. Amen. God's after you, my friend. And after He gets you, He'll let you reach somebody else, but He's fully after you. As they begin to worship, if you're here today and you have eruptions on your skin and the doctor can't figure out why, you have a kidney problem, you have an eating disorder, and, and you're trying to purge and deal with that. Uh, excuse me, you, you, not a kidney, you have a kidney problem, but you have an eating disorder and you're eating and purging. You have a jealousy problem. You have disturbing thoughts, including suicide. You have anxiety over family situations. You have an inner ear causing an imbalance, issues in your life. You have a back problem, and there's somebody here today, and a young lady here, and you have had an abortion in your life, and you have carried this grief forever, and over and over you love coming to church because it is a safe place. You feel comfortable here, but you carry that shame, and you're hidden. God wants to set you free today from that pain in your life. He is not one who holds that over. 
over you. That's the devil. He uses that to put you down. That, that is a, an excruciation point of shame. But God wants to set you free. Those who the Son has set free are free indeed. If you have that eating disorder, you are eating because of inner pain in your life. And then some of the people's assessments over you, how you look, how you feel about yourself. You don't feel right about yourself, so you're trying to correct it and you're responding the wrong way. Calvary is the answer for your problem. As they begin to worship, if you have this problem or any other problem, I invite you to an altar to meet a Savior who is still has all the power to deliver today that He ever had. There is power in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. You come, you just worship the Lord. Come on, just worship Him. You worship Him. You worship Him. You worship Him. You worship Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, there's power. There's power. There's power. To break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. Break every chain, break every chain. Break every chain. Yes! 